This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to Late Boomers. Today, we're excited for you to meet our special guest, Mike Montague. He's the Global Head of Content at Sandler Training, the host of the How to Succeed and the Playful Humans podcast, two podcasts, an author, award-winning speaker, game show host, DJ, and all-around advocate of play. And I'm Mary Elkins. As an entertainer, Mike has opened for Billy Idol and Frankie Valli. He's spoken in front of 2,000 audiences worldwide and worked with Google, Qualcomm, Sprint, the Kansas City Chiefs, and many more organizations to help business leaders polish their speaking skills and bring power, the power of play into their lives and their work. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, play. I'm so looking forward to bringing play back into my life and to that of our audiences. Welcome, Mike. Hey, so great to be here. I love it. I I should warn everybody that I'm a, a late Gen Xer, uh, but I was technically <laughs> born in the 70s by about four months. Uh, so we'll count that as qualifications to uh, yeah. be here as a, uh, a late boomer. You're always welcome on late boomers at any age. That's but tell right. us about your background and what led you to the path you are on today. What drives you? Yeah, it's a pretty crazy story, but I equate it all back to my grandma, Grandma Lynn. Uh, she happened to pass away this year at 93, but she created this cool, playful environment for us when we were kids, call, and we called it Creative Nerdery. So that's sort of what I call my my personal brand. And it's a combination wow. of being like smart and, and silly, but... Um, but creative and, and serious at the same time. So I recently got my uh, Lego certification from the Lego company uh, called Lego Serious that? Play. Really? And so I'm now I'm trained to teach uh, adults how to use Lego for creative brainstorming, team building events and all kinds of stuff. Wow. And I think the Serious Play is a great way to think about it too and you can see behind me, if you're watching the video version on YouTube, there's Steve Martin, the Bare Naked Ladies, uh, Dave Barry, the comedians books over here and all kinds of great examples of people that are really smart, but they're also not afraid to be silly. And I feel like I've gotten that my entire life. It started with my grandma, uh, but then I got to be in performances in high school, got to be on the radio in my 20s. I was DJ Romeo on Mix 93.3, Kansas City's number one hit music station. And uh -huh. um, got to do all that fun stuff like Billy Idol and Frankie Valli and, and things as really just a performer and entertainer. 
but I still had this sort of nerd side uh, and itch to scratch too. So I have designed over 200 websites and I like being creative and doing graphic design and web design and internet marketing. And I got into promotions for the the chiefs and other things. And uh, the radio and all that brought me to social media, which got me to write a book that was picked up by LinkedIn themselves. And uh, so I've just kind of been able to explore and play for a living. And I really love helping other people do that too. So whether you're still working and you want to figure out how to play for a living or you're retired, you're looking at that that third career, or you just want to have more fun in your life. My uh, brother-in-law explained it to my nieces. They said, Mike is so good at playing that people pay him to do this. Like they pay him <laughs> to teach, teach you how to play and to play with other people. So I get to host game shows. I get to host podcasts. I get to host big conferences and public speaking <clears throat> events now and really just have a whole lot of fun playing with people. Oh, that sounds great. I can't wait to hear more. And I have to know, how do you define a playful human? And then tell me also the benefits and negatives of play. Uh, that's good. Before we get too serious, though, I think we got to get in a joke or uh, okay. some kind of play okay. or a game. So okay. I like you to start with a, a joke of the week. And it's easier to demonstrate than it is to explain. And sometimes there is a lot of like neuroscience and biology and then there's also a lot of bad news. There's uh, a friendship recession and a, a loneliness pandemic and stuff right now. But if we don't remember to to have fun, um, I think we kind of miss the the point of all of that. So I definitely I'll dive into all of that. But my favorite joke is, what did the bra say to the hat? <laughs> the I don't know. What did the bra say? To <laughs> what the did hat? it? Yeah. You go on ahead. I'm going to give these two a lift. <laughs> I love that. That's like that. great. Okay. You have a favorite joke? Um, well, I have I one I heard yesterday. Kathy, you want to go first or shall I? I have one favorite joke. I only okay. have one joke. Okay. That I go can tell because I'm not a joke teller per se, but I do love jokes. And my one joke is horse walks into a bar. Bartender says, why the long face? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good my one. favorite one because I'm a horse person. Oh, that's that's hilarious. Okay, I have I have a situation, and I read about it yesterday, and I just it made me hoot. Okay, you ready? Okay, yeah, we're ready. I'm bored. I think I'll go to the mall, find a great parking spot, and sit in my car with the reverse lights on. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. I just it made me hoot. <laughs> I have a second part of of your joke, Kathy. Um, mm -hmm. Did uh, the bartender says to the horse, what do you think? And he said, I am. <laughs> That's a, a joke uh, about the philosopher Descartes. I think, uh -huh. therefore, I am. Uh -huh. uh, but you put the horse before the cart. Descartes. <laughs> uh. I like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, good. Okay. So okay, let's so talk how about. How do you define a playful human and then talk about the benefits of it, of play, and the negatives? Yeah. So when we're thinking about play, it's interesting. A lot of people think about it as the opposite of work, right? We think work or play uh, because they're put together like that a lot, but it's not. The opposite of work is like sloth. It's boredom. It's not doing anything. 
play is like the fun uncle of work. <laughs> you actually put a lot of effort and energy and creativity and emotion and sometimes even, you know, physical activity, like when you're playing sports or games into play. And so work, I feel like is the grind, the struggle. It's the stuff we have to do. It's the things that are, are hard for us and maybe that we don't enjoy, but play is the same type of tension and work and uh, uncertainty, but it's a positive response. Mm -hmm. So we get good, warm, fuzzy feelings from maybe some tension of will this joke work or will I win this board game or this card game? And we're still putting that effort, energy and focus in, but it's without all of the stress on it. So <laughs> I think also a lot of people don't know that there's good stress and there's bad stress. So bed stress raises the cortisol in your bloodstream. It creates a lot of bad things. It makes your brain focus uh, really hard on one right answer. And we get into survival mode and we tense up and we get knots in our back and uh, everything kind of like squeezes in. But there's also this opposite kind of stress during play. It's called eustress. And when the good stress happens, this is like our flow state. This is where we relax and we become fully present in the moment. And we're engaged in stuff and we're happy and we're laughing and our blood is pumping rather than like freezing up and our brain gets creative. And so we actually get energy from the stress because we're living up to our full potential and we go, oh, wow, that's fun. I just did something there and I got a positive response. I want to do more of that. And it creates this continuation desire is what psychologists call it. <laughs> and so being a playful human for me is all about chasing that play experience rather than the work experience that there are different types of work too that I think throw a lot of people off that if you're driving a car across the country, it's kind of miles per hour, right? The, the faster you go or the longer you go, the further you get. Uh, it's a very physical linear type of work. But most of us don't have those types of jobs anymore. We're not laying bricks or driving cars. We're working on the computer. And so if you're writing computer code or a short story or you're doing intellectual work and you're responding to emails and customers and all kinds of busy work or you're trying to solve problems, that's an intellectual work. And what they found in the research is those have diminishing returns. So if you do a little bit, you can get a lot done. But then you start getting tired and you start getting burnt out. And we see this with a lot of people that your brain starts slowing down after a while. They call it cognitive overload. And all of a sudden, you can't think about anything. They did a, a research study with computer programmers at Microsoft, and they found that if they worked more than 60 hours in a week for more than six weeks in a row, they would slow down so much that they would produce less lines of code than the people that just took worked 40 hours a week for all six weeks and really? took the rest of the time off. You can go to the park, go to the beach have a great time. And you're actually producing more than if you're struggling and working harder and burning yourself out. So that's incredibly fascinating, but there's a third type of work, which I find is what I'm all about. And the passion is that there are in life, these backwards laws, and I call it emotional work that the more you try to make somebody love you, the less likely they are to love you. And right. in sales and the sales training that I do during the day, the more you try to sell somebody something, the less likely they are to buy it. 
you, you start mm -hmm. pushing harder and then all they do is push back harder on the other side yeah. and you don't get mm -hmm. anywhere and creative work and human connection and uh, team building exercises and stuff all kind of work on that backwards law that the more you try, if I say quick, think of something funny or think of something creative, that stress causes you to lock down and you can't do it. It's just like when you're trying to fall asleep because you got a big day the next day. And the more you think about falling asleep, the less likely you are to fall asleep. It's just the way some things work in life. And so wow. there is something to be said for hard work. There is something to be said for hustling and, and uh, pushing through obstacles and being resilient and uh, taking advantage of opportunities. But there's also something to be said for being playful, being relaxed, going with the flow, going where opportunity and conversations taste you and not trying to force everything into time box and, and taking advantage of every second because it doesn't get good results. I get it. That's wonderful. You, you have said that 80% of third grade kids are geniuses, but by the time they reach college, that number has dwindled to a single digit. What's the problem there? Yeah, the problem is, again, um, we've kind of built systems and machinery and the educational system to fit people into boxes. And so mm. I don't know how much you two ladies have dove into this, but it's really fascinating if, if you go way back. And especially if we're talking to any boomers here today, right? Mm -hmm. Probably when you were younger, there were like three clothing sizes, right? There were like small, yeah. medium, and large. And yeah. everybody shopped at the same stores <laughs> and you kind of like, we needed in the way we were manufacturing things, everybody to kind of do the same thing because we couldn't handle individualism at that point mm -hmm. in our manufacturing. But on the internet, it's not really the same thing. When you think about social media, one person can make a post about engineering and the other person can make a post about creative writing and it doesn't detract from the tool. Both people can use the same tool and it can be personalized through the algorithms to each individual person. So yeah. what happened in our society around the 1900s is we didn't have machines. So we needed people to be machines. And we set up schools to teach people how to follow instructions, how to check boxes, how to do the right punch card on the, the code so that you get the right score. And we taught everybody to walk in lines and we taught, taught them to speak when spoken to and to not be creative because we need humans to do the jobs of machines and factories and, and uh, warehouses and, and stuff. But somewhere around the eighties that started to change where we have machines to do those jobs. So now we need people to think and be creative. And now we're starting to have AI that can do even more impressive things that that level of what we need humans to do keeps getting that bar keeps getting raised higher and higher, but we haven't changed all those systems that we set up. So the elementary school, kids are born creative. They're born playful. You ask them to tell a short story or to draw a picture, a two-year-old can draw a picture. But all of a sudden, mm -hmm. when you ask a 28-year-old to draw a picture, they go, well, what kind of picture? How many colors yeah. do I have? Am I going to get graded on this? Like, am I going to mm -hmm. get paid for it? And they start asking all these other questions that ruins their, their creativity. Mm -hmm. So what I found is the actually the most valuable skills in a world with AI in 2023 is things that AI can't do, being creative, being funny, doing human connection, listening skills, and being able to improvise or know when to break the rules. Those are all valuable skills in today's world. And they're just not the things that get taught in school. 
And last mm-hmm. point, I feel like I'm talking long today on these, but you guys are, are both great. giving me good vibes. That's great. Fascinating. I, lo- I love it. Yeah. The, the last part of it is even in sports, kids are giving up in sports around the age of 13 because it becomes too competitive and it's not fun. anymore. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, for one, think that's a shame for everybody. And you've probably rediscovered it as an adult or, or maybe in retirement. You're like, you know what? I used to love dancing. I'm going to go take a ballroom dancing class or I love uh, golfing or playing card games with my friends and I'm going to do that. But we start as we get to like puberty, people start saying, well, you're good at this. You're not good at this. So we're going to make you quit. Then you have to specialize. If you want to get ahead, you got to be super good. Or we got to play in competitive leagues and all year round and you can't play uh, baseball and basketball. You got to pick. And we put so much pressure on kids these days that they just like don't have fun with it anymore. And they'd rather do nothing than fail at, at something really because mm. there's too much risk and, and pressure on it. And so they end up giving up and we end up thinking that we have to work hard and grind or we're only do things that we're good at when I found playing and making mistakes is a heck of a lot more mm. fun. Yeah. And very healing. It sounds like, what are your thoughts about asking kids what they want to do when they grow up? Is there a better question? Oh, this is a good one. This is one of my favorites. Uh, because there's a recent study that predicts that, um, kids graduating from college right now will have, uh, on average nine different jobs in their career. Yeah. But here's the, mm. the amazing part of it. Seven of those jobs have not been invented yet. Oh. You literally oh. cannot go to school for them. So I don't know about you guys. When I went to school, podcasting wasn't a job. That wasn't no. something that, that I could do, right? I didn't really didn't even exist. know that public speaking was a job. It didn't exist. Designing websites and the stuff that I've done in my career or um, sales training jobs and stuff, they may have existed, but they weren't degrees I could go get in school. And now with the rate of change that we're seeing in our society and social media marketing managers, I'm a, a content director you mentioned earlier. Um, I didn't know blogging was a thing. So what we need to do is we need to train kids on how to be and maybe uh, how they want to be when they grow up is a lot better question. Because if we can teach kids to be playful, to be creative, to be thoughtful, to be kind, you can apply all of those things in any of those nine jobs you have in the future. And I think communication skills, soft skills, and a lot of the more intangible stuff is a lot more interesting. And I think even if you ask an adult, not what do you want to do because the what can change a lot, but how do you want to be when you grow up mm-hmm. and who do you want to be? I think those are, are much more interesting questions. I those are good that. questions. Yeah, and I, I can attest that. to the fact that they're now teaching podcasting in college because Mary and I guessed it in a class over Zoom. Nice. Yeah, it was an East Coast class, but it was really a college class where she's teaching podcasting because she wants them to be creative. She just like a a teacher decided to offer an extra class. Yeah, we have a lot to teach our teachers and school (laughs) systems. And I don't mean to to bash them because I think a lot of the teachers are great and they're trying to stay on the cutting edge, but it's just some of the ways the systems were set up with the grades and um, the like core subjects. And, uh, I think also that some of the things were just like, um, 
economically based too, that if you want to sell a textbook or you want to sell curriculum, because they don't even really use textbooks anymore, but if you want to sell digital curriculum, it takes a while to create that. And if it takes 18 months or, or even 12 months mm -hmm. to create an AI course, the AI has changed so much of what you can do by the end yeah. of that 18 months. <laughs> no you have kidding. to start the process all over again. Yeah. So we need to all kind of learn how to be better improv artists. And mm. a lot of our systems in work and in school are just not set up that way. Interesting. Well, talking about careers, how do you build a, a career that's designed for you? And how do you build it for maximum fun and pleasure and flow and <laughs> fulfillment? I think it comes down to the personal branding and, and doing what um, gets you excited. It's my all-time favorite quote. The Supreme Court Justice Howard Thurman said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and then go do that. Mm. Because what the world really needs is more people that have come alive. Oh, um, love and that. I think when you think about it like that, it's like, wow, that's really cool. And it's right. That. Mm -hmm. If we try to play the game that everybody else is playing, and let's pick one that's just like a really common profession, like a um, uh, lawyer or, or something, right? And if we, if everybody knows law exists, we know that laws are out there. We know that if we go to school and we get a law school, we have to start competing against everybody else that's trying to become a, a lawyer, right? And there are tens yeah. of thousands of people all across the country, all graduating with their law degrees. And they're all getting some sort of grades and they're all passing the bars and they're all trying to work at the same firms. That's a lot of competition. On my career, we've mentioned all the crazy stuff I've done, but there's kind of three thre threads that I talk about. I've done sales training and, and management training for about 20 years. I've done 20 years of internet marketing, content marketing and, and uh, creation, content creation stuff. And I have done over 20 years of Broadcast performances, podcasts, on stage stuff, on video stuff. Well, you might know what a sales trainer makes. You might know what a radio DJ makes, and you might know what a content creator makes. But do you know how much can you look up on Glassdoor, Indeed, or LinkedIn and say, oh, how many jobs are open for a sales training a podcaster that uh, has marketing skills? And the thing is, like, they can't compare me to anybody else. They can't hire right. another person to replace me. They can't say, well, Mike's not worth, you know, six figures. Here, we got to pay him less than that. Well, what are you going to replace me with? Three other people <laughs> that are going to add up to that. Uh, so I kind of get to write my own ticket and get to design my own job because I've leaned into my strengths. Mm -hmm. And so I think mm -hmm. when you combine two or three things together that you're passionate about, you get to this magic area where... There's almost no competition. There are other people. Uh, I've met them that do it, but it's so few and far between. You become extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. that's, the other that, thing that happens, that's where the flow comes from. Yeah. You're in the flow, as they say, right? And yeah. that's where I was going to go next is that these things are all also all easy for me. So like we talked about earlier, I'm not pressing, not pushing, I'm not pressing, I'm not trying to mm -hmm. compete against other people. I'm just trying to be the best version of me that I can be, the most authentic that I can be. And when I do that, people are hiring me to be more of myself. So when I go host game shows for people, I feel like it's the most present, most fun thing that I could ever do. And it almost feels like cheating. And I think that's where people get it off is like, oh, to be successful, this has to be hard. 
And you go, well, no, it's super fun and easy. I get paid hundreds of dollars an hour to go play games with people. Like that is also a possibility. Those jobs do exist. Uh, and sometimes it's thousands of dollars an hour, which is really nice too. Mm-hmm. But I think we kind of in our head go, well, that can't be right. Like nobody's going to pay me thousands of dollars to go play games or to go talk on a podcast or go interview all the coolest people that I can find. I love podcasting because it's like, we get to have great conversations with this. I meet a new person. I meet a famous author or writer and um, voiceover actors and musicians and all kinds of cool people that I would never meet if I was doing any other job. And they love it. They feel like, um, you know, they owe me something because I had them on my show, which is incredible. We feel like that too. We meet all these incredible people. Yeah. And what do you think we can do to have more fun on the job and in our lives? And do you think it's a habit we need to form? I think you do think it's a habit. I definitely do, which means it's time for another game. Are you ready to play a game? Okay. Drum roll, please. I am. Um, am. We surveyed 100 people, and we're going to have you compete against each other. Mary and Kathy, we surveyed 100 people. The top answers are on my card here. Um, You've probably seen this game before on TV. We asked them to name a place where you always try to squeeze in one more person. Where do you try to squeeze in one more person? Oh, a car. (laughs) <laughs> a, oh a, a, a what you, what's your guess gabby um one more person the hollywood bowl no <laughs> because good. there's a finite number of seats i'd say a bus oh bus is number three car was number one uh concert was on there and number five restaurant church and elevator uh also made the list uh okay um, let's try one more. This one's one of my favorites. During a power failure, name something you can still turn on. Oh, you're going to laugh at me. I have a landline. <laughs> oh, nice. Phone works, but it did not make our top uh, five. <laughs> Doesn't mean you, you think, can Kathy? turn it on, though. Turn it on. This is your chance. Uh, I, I think I can turn on my gas stove. Stove is on there. That's the number five answer. Flashlight, oh. radio, water faucet, and spouse. Uh, in the uh, I, I thought about that. Um, yeah. Spouse. That's, that's, that's there you go. <laughs> Just didn't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the, the thing that I found about play as it relates to habits and, and doing it is I don't think there are a lot of negative side effects. And I don't think people are really actively trying not to play. It's just sort of that it's gotten optimized out of our society. The phone is sucked up all of our free time that we turn to our phone when we're bored rather than creating something that's actually fun. And similar things happen with, uh, as you become an adult, like alcohol, where when you start adding drugs and alcohol to your parties, they don't actually become fun. They actually kind of feel like fun, but it's fake. Uh, You're not releasing the same hormones and endorphins. So in my research here, too, I found some things, um, the difference between like uh, faux play or fake play, true play. And then there's some like partial play scenarios. So what we're doing virtually, I consider sort of like a partial play experience. It's not the same as if we are all together 
in our physical capabilities, you can kind of feel that other person's energy and stuff. And Mm -hmm. we're not really moving a whole lot on this one. We're not moving around and moving our bodies and stuff, but we get some really good um, creation energy and we get to connect with other people. And there are some good partial aspects to this. Mm. There's some other things like social media that are the exact opposite. It Mm. makes you feel more lonely, even though you think you're connecting with people. Mm -hmm. It makes you less productive, even though you're consuming more information than you normally would. And the phone, there's been studies that show it makes you 10 to 15% dumber if it is just even in the room. It doesn't have to even be turned on. If your phone is in the room, you're 10 to 15% dumber on IQ tests. Why? And <laughs> it makes sense. There's a lot of reasons. One is distractions. Uh, <laughs> so if a phone dings when you're trying to write an email or something, you immediately interrupt your, your flow and work. Even when it's turned off, though, we've all learned to outsource our brain to the computer. So uh, I love that we're uh, talking here on the Late Boomers podcast is we all remember a time where like if you were trying to remember the name of that guy in that one movie, you had to actually think of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you Use your brain. I know. I know. You had to remember information and you had to process that information. You had to be able to recall that information. Now we just go, oh, yeah, let me look it up. And you yeah. pull out your phone and you did your brain did oh, none of yeah. the work. You're and so we're just dumber. so true for having used these tools. And we think the tools make us smarter, but they don't. Yeah. You know, and I guess if you're getting really old uh, and you forget everything, but you remember how to ask your phone, what the question you have to ask, you're not that old. (laughs) And I created these driveway parties for my neighbors during the pandemic, and we still do them twice a week. And if some, a lot of times if we're discussing something, say, wait, 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 don't look it up. Don't look it up because we're always trying to come up with something. Everybody's trying to remember something that they want to tell you. I said, no, let's figure this out. And sometimes I stop them from using the phone because it's more fun if you figure it out. It absolutely is is. more fun. And it creates that magical moment of that aha Then it turns it into a game. It trains your brain to be more creative and, and to recall. And we just don't use that anymore. Uh, the other thing I want to mention, though, is the the faux play uh, can be really dangerous, like with alcohol, where it makes you feel worse the next day. So yeah. I think a good way to mm-hmm. identify true play and create better habits is to think about, like, what could I do today or with this free time that would make me feel better at the end of it? And it would be easier to do tomorrow. So mm. a bike ride is a great example of this one. Like if I drink a bottle of wine. I'm going to feel worse tomorrow. If I go for a bike ride, I'm going to feel better about myself and my physical body tomorrow. And so we're building momentum on ourselves. It gets easier to do over time. I feel like bad habits are easy to start and they're tough to continue. And things that are good with you, good habits are tough to start, but they're easy to continue. They make your life better. That takes me into my next question for you, because I was thinking if you've forgotten how to play because you're an adult, what are some easy ways to learn how to play? And I guess bicycling is one of them, but can you give us more? Yeah, lots of tips here. I think the big one is you have to lower your um, bar and, and stress of expectations and stuff. You have to do something just for fun. So many times, like even if we're going to take a painting class or something, we want to be good at painting the first time, or we want to turn this into a painting business and and sell them online or post it online. And we have one of our rules, Kathy, at, at one of the events that I, I participate in, where they're like, nobody can post about this on social media. Like 
no photos. We're not doing this to brag to each other. It's no, we're not recording it. We're, this is just in the moment. This experience is for us. We're going to live in the moment and then we're all going to carry these memories along with us in our heads, not in our phones. Um, and I think that's a cool thing, but when I'm looking for play, I think three quick tips. One is children know how to play so they can really help you. You can go get on the ground and play and improvise and have fun. The second thing is I like traps. I like to, um, join groups. Like I said, take a ballroom dancing lesson, join a bowling league, go find something you can do with your friends out in real life that's scheduled and planned. So you can't get out of it. And I think that's a really good, good trap for yourself. And the third thing I think is some sort of creative outlet. I tell people to try to spend at least one day of your week where you create more than you consume. So we're always consuming this information from social media or from TV and all kinds of stuff. But what if you wrote TV? What if you had an actually did something? So the example I, I use here, and I feel like I offend a lot of people, but uh, the NFL, there's so many guys that say, oh, I'm a huge football fan. I, I love the NFL. And what they do is they watch TV for six hours or, or nine or 12 hours on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't like football. You like television. That's a That's a reality <laughs> TV show. If yeah. you liked football, you would actually go throw a football around with your friends. You would go play a game and the sport. And I think so much of that, we've gotten trapped by stuff that is commoditized and monetized and sold to us that, that we don't have to buy these games. We can have fun with a dog or a kid out in a park for free. Mm-hmm. So get out of nature, go out and actually do something and beware of these like faux play experiences. Interesting. I like that approach. Mm-hmm. And is there a difference between the work you love and play? Because if you love your work, isn't that kind of play too? It is. I, I'll give one warning here in that I hate that quote, find what you love and you'll never work a day another day in your life oh, because you there's still days where it's work that you got to pay your taxes. You got to do your accounting reports or, or something. And it's just oh, not very fun. Or you get a bad client, you took a bad gig, or you you stayed up too late and you don't feel like doing it uh, a day, and and that's okay. I still get that way. Hosting game shows and podcasts and stuff is just some days where I get sick or or something, and I'm like, man, I do not feel like bringing my level ten energy today. But I think that you can make those things a lot closer together. I think you can get paid to play and to do what excites you, what puts you in a flow state, what you're kind of uh, specifically built for, I think is a great way to to think about it. That I didn't necessarily choose these things along the way, but when I look back, I did the morning announcements in high school and I'm doing a podcast now. They're not really that different. Like there was something about that that attracted me to that. And I think if you look back over your life, you'll find some themes and environments and and subjects that have just always been easy, interesting. You've been gifted at, you've had experience with that. Nobody else on this planet uh, has ever had that experience before. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's interesting. So, two final uh, things here on this one that I, I love because I think people um, 
feel sometimes like they're common or that they're not special and they don't have this, this sort of gift. Um, I mentioned earlier, I like Legos. And if you Mm -hmm. have just six Lego blocks, those normal, like eight studded square Lego blocks, if you had six of them, what do you think your guess would be on how many different shapes you could build with just six Lego blocks? Oh, well, at least six. I don't know very (laughs) much about it. I don't, don't, uh, yeah, I don't either. Could they Um, attach on the sides too? Well, they can detach on the top and bottom. So a lot of people miss the the bottoms. And sure, you could stack some side to side and, and stuff too. So it gets really crazy. Everybody yeah. guesses way too low. The correct oh, yeah, answer like- is over 107 million <laughs> possible combinations from oh just gosh. six Lego blocks. I, I was now, going to say infinite oh after gosh. that. Yeah. That's amazing. If it gets up to, if you if you double that, I think it's like eight or 12 Lego blocks. The number becomes so large, we don't have the computing power to even find out what the answer is. There is a finite number, but we have no oh. idea how to even count that high. Nobody That's would a be able to ever for do AI. That. Yeah. And so the I love that example because humans have a lot more than eight studs. We have a lot more ways to connect with other people. We have a lot more facets of our personality and experience. So if you take that eight out to a infinite number of experiences we've had since we were born well that obviously makes us unique it gives us a special insight and perspective that nobody in the history of the world that's ever lived has had here's another crazy one that that i love that demonstrates this a normal deck of playing cards uh with the 52 cards of deck if you shuffle it four times in like a normal riffle shuffle that order of cards has never been shuffled into that order since the invention of cards, since the beginning of human history, wow. there are so many possible combinations that it would uh, take us like millions of years to actually shuffle the cards into all the possible different 52 yeah. orders. I love that. So, it's and so we think about all the events in your life, uh, 52 different events that shuffled into a different order from somebody else. And you guys found podcasting when you were older. Some kids listening to the show are finding it when they're eight. That just shuffling that experience of that order completely changes the game and the perspective of what you're doing. So you have a valuable experience. You have some sort of magic to bring to the world and a way to connect differently than everybody else. I love that. It's just hard hard sometimes to realize that or or how to monetize it when you're thinking about a job. Yeah. Okay. Well, being unique is also being sometimes people might call it weird. So why is that more valuable than fitting in? Oh, I love weird. We've talked about this uh, a little bit already, but um, that was where I was talking about my uh, salary and how how much money I make. Then basically, if something's common, if it's average, if it's neutral, then everybody has it. It becomes a commodity and you can put a price on it. You can become replaceable in your job. The more weird you become, the more interesting you become, but also more valuable because you're not replaceable. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think that they have to go towards average. If I want to get a high paying job, I have to do what all the other high paying people would do or even really famous people. So we could pick somebody, uh, let's just say like Tom Cruise, because he is getting a lot of money for what he's doing and be like, okay, well, if I want to be a successful movie star, I have to be like Tom Cruise. Well, the problem is, we already have a Tom Cruise mm-hmm. and you're not going to out Cruise Tom Cruise. <laughs> right? no. We're not going to be a better Tom Cruise. So 
he also started like 50 years ago <laughs> doing this. So yeah. you're 50 years behind. You're not a, as good at being him as he is. There's no way you can ever get there. But if you become the best possible you, you can do that. Nobody else can be as good at being you as you can. So when we lean into ourselves about being weird, we become a one of one. And then it's really about if we wanted to be a movie star, what types of movies or how would I have to write a movie that calls for the type of stuff that I bring? Mm. Right. And it's more about finding the situations. And I'll just add this last thought here that with over 8 billion people on the planet, there's a chance somebody else is digging what you dig, that, that, that they want what you have, that they admire your experience and want to connect with that and want more of it. So we get so many hung, so much hung up on the people who don't want it. I say, go for the people that do want what you're bringing. Mm -hmm. mm, great. Really? Advice. I love that. Yeah. And what would you like our audience to have as a takeaway today, Mike? The big one is, is pretty easy. The, the call to action here is to go have more fun. So I have a quiz on my website. It's playfulhumans.com slash quiz where there are eight different playful personalities that you could land on. And so quick Buzzfeed style quiz. You just answer funny questions about your, uh, your favorite ways to play, and then I'll give you a playful personality report. And it's completely free and everything, but we haven't talked about this a whole lot. There's a lot of different ways to play. Some people like sports. Some people like board games and puzzles. Some people like to host parties and have social play. Other people like to be funny, haha, -ha, like comedians when they play. Other people like to explore new things and adventures, uh, like the outdoors or extreme sports and stuff. And there's no right or wrong answer here sometimes it's a combination of those which is great but my ask for the audience here is go find out what play is for you and if you don't know what it is go try on a bunch of those different things uh try a sport try a pickleball or try painting or try a puzzle or a video game or try a stand-up comedy or an improv uh troupe for a week and if you don't like it so what you know, yeah. try something else on the list and keep moving down until you find that thing that, that you love and it makes you happy. Woohoo. Oh. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> this is great. I'm, yeah. I'm about to go do it now. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Mike Montague, master of play, entertainer, educator, award-winning speaker, and host of How to Succeed and the Playful Humans podcasts. He's also the co-author of LinkedIn, The Sandler Way, Global Head of Content at Sandler Training, Game Show Host, and DJ, and our, our master. Our Whatever master. else you need me to be, as long as it's me, uh, yeah, I'm there I, for it. I was about to say our master of unique weirdness. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. You can you can reach Mike at his website playfulhumans.com and also he said it you you can take the quiz on playfulhumans slash quiz dot com. Yep. No dot com slash quiz. Okay. Dot com well, slash quiz, right, Mike? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And please subscribe to our Late Bloomers podcast on your favorite platform. And please give us a five star review. A. And you can also find us on YouTube on our Late Boomers podcast channel. We have over 150 episodes so far, and we give you a new one every week. So please follow us on Instagram, 
at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers. We always try to inform, entertain, and inspire you. Thanks again so much, Mike. Super fun. Thank you for the great questions. Good stuff. Super fun. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.